Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. How many of you guys are enjoying it so far, feeling the presence of God, amen? Stand with me if you would. I get the pleasure of introducing my friend Richard Bolte. I've known him for five years, but he's been coming to the church here for 13 years. That lets you know that we love you when we invite you back, doesn't it? So I just love this guy. I'm telling you, he is the real deal. So let's listen. Let's have a heart's attentive. I know that God will speak to us, amen? Let's welcome Brother Bolte as he comes forward. Praise God. Thank you, buddy. You may be seated. Well, good. It's good to be back. Wow. What a blessing. Man, if I had to leave right now, I'd know I've been in church. My goodness. What wonderful songs of faith and victory. Well, I bless you all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it's good to be back at Rev Hope. It's so good to be with uh, Pastor Matt and Pastor Mike. Matt and Mike. You know, I live in Franklin, Tennessee. We got a lot of, that sounds like a, a country group to me. <laughs> you know, they, no, but anyway, uh, they're just great people. And uh, as has already been said, I've known now Pastor uh, Matt for about five years. And it's uh, just been a blessing. And... Uh, Pastor Mike is not only just a, but he's just a dear friend. And uh, I probably mentioned this before, but I'm going to say it again. Bears mentioning. Um, my wife passed away five, almost five years ago. And uh, when your pastor, when that happened, your pastor was at a conference someplace and the minute he got the word that Sandra had passed, he called. And that just touched me. It wasn't like he didn't have anything to do. And I, I know he had a whole bunch of people back here in the Ray of Hope that are his flock. But he took time to call me and pray with me. And I will never forget that. And I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Anyway, it's good to see you folks. I got to tell you this. This young man that was up here a while ago talking about God loved us regardless and how good the Lord has been uh, made me think of something that happened years ago. And uh, I, I, I made a pastoral call with a pastor I was holding a revival for. And I went to the hospital with him. And there was a lady from his church, uh, had been part of that church forever. And there were some other people there at the hospital visiting. And uh, she'd come through a, a serious, pretty serious operation. And, and they were there and they was all talking about, oh, sister, we're so proud that, that you made it through this. That you made it, uh, you made it through this operation and everything. And, and I'll never forget it. She, she raised her hand and she said, well, <clears throat> it's just like I've always said, if you'll be faithful to God, he'll be faithful to you. And they said, and then the compliments really started. And they said, oh, yes, sister, you've been so faithful all these years. You had just been, oh, you've just been. And they just started just heaping all this stuff on this lady about how great she'd been and how holy she was and all this stuff. And, and she was just eating that up, you know. And uh, I was just standing there. 
and uh, I guess they saw that I didn't have anything to say. And, uh, and they said, well, Brother Boldy, don't you believe that? If you're faithful to God, he'll be faithful to you. And I, and I said, I believe there's a certain amount of truth to that. I really do. But I said, I want to tell you what really, really makes me want to just get on my face before him and honor him is when I've not been faithful, he's been faithful still. And when I didn't deserve it, he still loved me. And he has blessed my life in spite of all the junk back there. Uh, I said, that, that, that's the thing that really gets my attention. And I wanna tell you something, folks. Uh, you people here that know me, and you've been, I've been here now several times, and you know my testimony, you know what the Lord has done for me. That's all I've got, is God's goodness and God's mercy. I, 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 I can, people always say, well, brother, what, has God taught you something new? And I said, really, to tell you the truth, what I got's not bad. <laughs> you know, well, I, don't, I don't claim to be smart, but what I, the little bit I have learned about is pretty good stuff. Mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. God has been so good. Well, let's get started, shall we? Uh, turn with them, please, first of all, into the book of Daniel, chapter 9. And uh, I'm going to read a, a portion of uh, verse 23. Now, don't get, I'm not going to answer a bunch of the, uh, the last days stuff for you out of the book of Daniel. For the main reason is I don't know them. Uh, I, I don't claim to be an authority on the book of Daniel. But I was studying one time and I got reading the book of Daniel and something jumped off the pages to me back then and I've just never forgotten it. Here in chapter nine, verse 23, uh, an angel is speaking to Daniel and says, at the beginning of your supplications, the command went out. And I have come to tell you, and now look, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the manner and understand the vision. You are greatly beloved. Turn over to chapter 10. And in verse 11, you're going to see the same thing. Another angel is talking. He is touched uh, and he said, I was on my knees and I trembled on my knees and had my palms on the, on the floor. And verse 11, and he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you. And then down in verse 19, again, he's, the angel's talking to him and says, and he said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. O man greatly beloved. Almost every time in church, one time or another, we'll ask the question, how many love the Lord? And we'll raise our hands. And before the service is over, we'll say, how many believe the Lord really loves you? And that's good, we believe that too. And we should never doubt the love of God. Should never doubt it, not for a minute. God loves the sinner, he loves the backslider, he loves the unlovely, 
God is perfect, absolutely perfect in his love. It can never be more or less than it's ever been. However, the Lord is not saying to Daniel, I love you. He's not saying that. He's not saying, hey, Daniel, do you love me? No, he's saying, Daniel, thou art greatly beloved. And I found out that that word beloved is used about 25 times, or actually a total of, of 28 times. Uh, and, but it's at that time, it's, the word is dowed, dowed, D-O-W-D. And it actually means a type of friendship or a, a family type of love. Then there's other variations of that that means like a, uh, that we're friends or, or, or we have a desire for one another. But then this word here is only in the Old Testament three times in the original Hebrew. Only three times, and I find that quite interesting. And that word as it is kamad in the, in the Hebrew, and it actually means this, to delight in, to be pleased with, to be considered precious, to be considered beautiful. Now, does that get you? It does me. Three times it's used. It's not used for Moses. It's not used for Abraham. It's not used for any of the great old prophets of the New Testament, or of the Old Testament. Only this guy, Daniel. And three times that word is, thou art beloved. And it means, again, it means this, I delight in you. I am pleased with you. You're precious. You're considered beautiful. Man, to me, that gets my attention. Does it yours? Does mine. Why would he say that to this guy? What is there about Daniel that would cause the Lord to say such things? Well, if I study the book of Daniel at all and see all the things that, that Daniel went through, then I might get some type of an idea of why the Lord would say this. We've got to consider the kind of character he was. We've got to understand the kind of commitment that he made and the kind of, uh, uh, of real convictions that he had. But I want to read to you out of the uh, book of Daniel. I think it's chapter 6. And go to verses 3 and 4. Now this is the kind of man that he was. You ready? Look at this. Chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above all the governors and the satraps, as with people of authority, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charges against Daniel because, concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, he was there, and there was no error or fault found in him. Wow. 
That's quite a character, isn't it? That, that's telling me something about this man. He had this kind of reputation from people that knew him. Now you've got to remember the kind of day that he was living in. Remember the book of Daniel, it was taking place when the children of Israel had been carried into Babylonian captivity, all right? So he is one of the guys that's there. He's in a foreign land. It's a sad time for the Israelites. Everything is bad. The temple has been destroyed. It is just not a good time at all. And this guy lived when there was a constant change going on. In fact, he lived there in, in, the, in Babylon about 60 years. And there was a change of Nebuchadnezzar was the original king. And then we had Belshazzar. And then we had Darius. And then we had Cyrus. So things was always changing at the, all the time. But I'm going to tell you something that didn't change. And it was Daniel. You got that? Daniel knew who he was, even though he might be in a foreign land, it might be under the control of pure old ungodly people, but he was a man that knew who his God was, he knew who his, what his background was, and he was not going to change. Everybody here? I want to tell you something, folks. We live in bad days, and we're living in, <coughs> excuse me, in sad times. We got some things going on that's just a mess. And I really believe God is looking for some people of convictions. I believe he's looking for some people of real commitment and some people of real character. You know, he was tempted. You think it, I was? All right, now look, you, you, you see this, this stomach here? Okay, when they're offering me delicacies, and I don't know what those were, but I got a feeling they were better than the veggies. My daughters, I have, I, have, I have three granddaughters that are nurses. And they're always calling. Papa, did you eat salad today? Did you? And I, you know, at times I, uh, I don't lie. But I, I, I say I haven't got to it yet. So because I don't know what those delicacies were, but, but I bet you they were good. Don't you imagine? And, and, and so, but there was something about those delicacies. Those delicacies evidently didn't line up with the dietary laws of Moses. And even though he's over here in a strange land, and even though he's over here in a sad place, and he's surrounded by ungodly people, he remembers who he is. And he said, no, I've, I've made a commitment. I knew who I am. I know who my God is. I know what my God's word says. And so I'm standing on this. And you remember the story, how they said, no, no, him and them, uh, Daniel and the Hebrew children, they said, no, we're, we're, we're not gonna eat that. We'll just eat stuff here and then check us out after a few days and see. And here they were, healthier than everybody else. Well, I want to tell you something, folks. Temptation is temptation. Oh, can I tell you something about temptation in case you don't know this? You'll never be tempted by something you don't like. 
Now write that down. You just taking notes. You, you're not, you're not going to hear a genius like that often. You're never going to be tempted by something you don't like. And here's another thing. If you're, who you, who's you're surrounded with? They're not, they don't care. Do you think that the Babylonians would have cared if they ate that stuff? They wouldn't have cared. No. But a man of character and a man of integrity, he'd know. Amen. Now, everybody in this building, sometime or another, has the capacity to be tempted. Oh, not me, brother, since I got the whole... Now, come on. Don't be like back home in Kansas. When I was a kid raised in my old holiness church back home in Kansas. Oh, dear God. Can I just tell you this? When I was a boy growing up in Kansas, I hated testimony meetings. I hated them. I, I hear what I'm saying? I don't mean just dislike them. I hated them because they was always on Wednesday night and you'd always get up and somebody would say, has anybody got a word for Jesus? Oh God. And I'm sitting back there dying. I said, here it is again. It's going to be the same because the same people would say the same things. Every year, every week, same thing. And you say, well, brother, hey, they were all my relation. Yeah. Man. They'd get up. Now I can still hear Oh, man. Well, my one old aunt, she'd get up. And she'd say it every week, same thing. Well, you all know that I'm a widow. You think? You think we know that? We, you know, we were there when we buried him. You know, we were there. We, yeah, we know. You know, I'm a widow. And I'm by myself. And nobody come to visit me this week. That meant the preacher didn't come by. So, you know, we got to give him a jab. Yeah. But I'm saved. Now I'm sanctified. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. And since the day I met Jesus, I haven't even thought about sin. Well, see, I'm 16 years old. I'm sitting back there. Trust me, I'd been thinking. Oh, come on. The idea had crossed my mind a time or two. But she had something with Jesus I'd never known anything about because she said she'd never been tempted. Had another aunt, she'd always end up her testimony by saying this. I haven't even thought about the world. I come from holy stock. But I want to tell you something. I'm telling you the truth. Everybody in this building has the capacity to be tempted with something. Yeah. Oh, not me, brother. I talk in tongues. I don't care if you get, your tongue gets tied in a knot. I am telling you, you're subject to temptation. And somewhere along the line, you and I are going to be tempted with something, and we're going to have to say no. Why? Hopefully because we love the Lord. Hopefully, because we want to make sure that our testimony is sure. We don't want to be a, a, an offense to anybody. Man, I've got grandkids and great-grandkids and whatever. I, I'm going to try by the help of the Lord to keep myself straight in all areas. Why? Because I've got a grandson that thinks I just about hung the moon. 
And I won't live long enough to win his trust back. Yeah. So I just want to tell you something. You're going to be tempted sometime. Somewhere along the line. But this guy said, no, not going to do it. He just refused to do it. That's a man of character. And then the next thing I know about him, he was a man of humility and devotion. Did you know that we have record in the book that he fasted for 21 days? And during this time of disturbance, of prayer and fight, and all this going on now, all of this stuff going on, he's in a bad place, he's in a horrible place, he's a long way from home, the temple's been destroyed, it is just a mess all around him, but he falls down before God and we find him worshiping the Lord in the midst of all of that. Oh man. And then I find out in chapter 9 that when he prays, he even puts himself in the category of the people of Israel that had forsaken the Lord. He breaks down before God and he said, we have sinned before you. Wow. And then I find that he's totally consumed with this idea. I want to know what God is saying. I want to know what God is Hey, listen, I've got to ask you something. How's, a, how's your humility before the Lord? You know, it's, pride's a horrible thing. Did you know that I personally, I hope you won't argue with this, but I really believe that pride and selfishness is the root cause of all sin. I don't care how it manifests itself. I believe it starts right there. I'm going to please myself. I'm going to do what I want to do. Me, me, me. Pride, arrogance, the lack of brokenness before the Lord. And I believe that this spirit that Daniel had was so pleasing to the Lord, that spirit of humility. Uh, in between services, we was talking back in the office and I, I, several years ago, I, I uh, was preaching at a conference, and there was another man that was preaching at this conference, one of the services, and uh, he pastored a very large church, and he had gone to North Carolina to Billy Graham's, uh, it's called The Cove, and it's where ministers go for a retreat and things like that. And so he went to it, and while they were there, they, uh, Billy Graham lives on that property, and uh, they was going to draw names to see who might get to go have a, a visit with Billy Graham himself. I guess he was about 90 at that time. And anyway, this guy that was speaking at the conference, he, they drew his name. And man, he got to go. And he said he just couldn't wait. He said, I got out a piece of paper and I wrote down a bunch of questions that I wanted to ask Billy Graham. And... Uh, he said, I got there, and he said, the first thing I noticed that when I got in the house, there was no pictures of him with presidents and heads of states. Or there was no great anything, no, nothing. Nothing when he's on Newsweek or anyone, nothing. Nothing pulling to himself. And he got into the library with Billy Graham, and uh, he said Billy Graham was sitting there. It was a cool day, and he had a, he had a quilt on his lap. And uh, he said, I started to sit down across the, 
room and Billy Graham said to him, oh no, come over here and sit beside me on this couch. I want you to sit beside me. And he said, I got out my piece of paper with my questions. He said, because one of the questions was this, what in the world was it like to preach to 500,000 people at one time? Oh, he did that in one of his campaigns years ago in Africa, I think it was. And he said, I was getting ready to ask him some questions. And he said, he stopped me and said, tell me about yourself. Where are you from? Tell me about your church. Are you married? You have children? Oh, that's great. He said, the whole thing turned to me. It was me. He wouldn't let me ask him one question about himself. And said, then after this man visited with me for a while, it was time for me to leave. Billy Graham said to him, would you pray for me before you leave? I want to be faithful to the end. And he said, I found out the secret of Billy Graham's ministry. The man was truly a humble man before God and before man. Now I want to tell you something, friend. In our age, when we have We've just got everybody's a movie star and everybody's a big name and we have so much stuff that's, uh, anyway, I better not get on all that. <laughs> but we got a lot of stuff that we can really do without in the kingdom uh, uh, and in the body of Christ. Can I just sort of say this? Y'all know me well enough. I'm going to just say it anyway. You might as well just say it. You know, just go ahead and say it, Brother Bolton. Can let me tell you one reason that I Fell in love with Mike McCord a long time ago. First time I was invited here, I made a promise to God years ago that I would never ask a man how big his church was and we'd never talk money. Never would. And so, I, when I came here, I, the only conversation I had with Brother McCord, he said, well now, our address is Comanche, but you're going to be staying in a town called Duncan and told me what hotel I was going to be staying at. And so I said, okay. So I drove there, and I got to Duncan. I found the hotel, and I asked the young lady at the desk. I said, uh, uh, listen, I, I, uh, uh, I'm going to be preaching at a place called Ray of Hope. And uh, I said, I, I need to know how to get there. And she said, oh, just get on that highway and head that way. Told me where to go. I said, okay. She said, she said you won't miss it. I said, okay, fine. So I'm out here, I'm going, and, and somewhere I, I run out of houses. I don't see subdivisions. I don't see anything. I think I did see a cow or two, uh, but not, not much. And, and, uh, and I know I'm still not at Comanche, so I don't really know where I'm at. And then all of a sudden, I look, and I see this building out here in all this beautiful property. And I see the beautiful parking lots. And uh, he never mentioned one thing about this church. Didn't tell me anything about God has been, nothing. I knew nothing about this church. Do you know how many people over the years evangelizing that guys have tried, have tried to impress me with the size of their churches? <clears throat> Pure humility. Pure humility. Yeah, you hear what I'm telling you? God likes that. 
And the thing that God liked about old Daniel was Daniel was a man that recognized who his God was. And I believe that he could sing these songs like, you know, he's been running after me. Everything, all my life, he, I, he has been faithful. All my life, he's been so, so good. Yeah, he can sing them kind of songs. That's the reason you and I sing those kind of songs. We recognize who he is. He is our God. And everything that's good in our life is because of him. Amen? Amen. Here's the next thing I know about this Daniel. He was a man that influenced people. Now remember again where he's at. He's over in a foreign land, headed up by foreign heads of state, and these kings that are in power think they're God. In fact, old Nebuchadnezzar was vowed and declared that he was, and everybody looked to him like a God. In fact, he, he, he actually demanded people call him a God and fall down and worship him as a God. Yeah, you remember that story? And you remember that one time that he was strutting around saying, is this not great Babylon that I have made? Yeah, well, he was fixing to find out how great he was because Daniel had already told him that God was going to get his attention. And you know what happened? Next thing you know, we got this guy out here eating grass like a, a cow. Yeah, he's lost his mind. Something's happened. Yeah. And I want to talk to you about the influence that Daniel had on his life. Because after the period was over, and uh, if you'll go to Daniel chapter 4. Now I want you to notice what I'm getting ready to read to you is not Daniel talking, it's Nebuchadnezzar talking. Here's what he said. Look in chapter 4, and I'm just going to start reading. To Verse 1 says, To all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are His signs! How mighty His wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion is from generation to generation. That's all I'm going to read right there. That's Nebuchadnezzar talking. All right? Then go over to verse 34. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. Have, have, is, that, is that getting through to you? All of a sudden, he sounds like he's a praise leader. You know, he's, if we could put some of this to music and talk about the greatness of God. Where did all that come from? It was the influence that Daniel had on his life. And now he's recognizing the God of heaven and earth. Why? Because there's a man of conviction. There's a man of, uh, of real integrity. There's a man of humility. And now Nebuchadnezzar is giving praise and honor unto God. After he died, 
guy named Belshazzar came along. Now, Belshazzar, a lot of people said it was his son. Some people think it was actually his grandson. But whatever that is, Belshazzar was arrogant, just like the one before him. And he was having a party. And somebody, I don't know who it was, he said, you know, we brought some beautiful vessels out of that, that, that place we destroyed in Jerusalem. We brought some beautiful vessels out of that thing. Let's bring them over here to the party and let's drink wine out of them. Yeah, so here they come back and they're having their party and uh-oh, you talk about something that'll interrupt a party. All of a sudden there's a hand writing on a wall. Oh my goodness. Think that's a disturber? I mean, that'll get you. But you know, something that really gets me is this. The queen, Belshazzar's wife, she said this in chapter 5, verse 11. There's a man in your kingdom in whom, the spirit, in whom is the spirit of the holy God. They'd already heard about it. They knew about him. By the way, you do know he wasn't at the party. Just thought I'd say that. They sent for him. You know the story. He interpreted it and said to Belshazzar, you know, hey, your kingdom's going to be taken from you. Yeah, yeah. You're going to lose it. It's going to be gone. And that night, Belshazzar died. Now listen to me, my friend. Belshazzar was so affected by him, he said, Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be third ruler in the kingdom. You talk about influence. Why did that happen? Because here's a man that had kept himself straight, kept his integrity with God, continued to humble himself before God and submit before God. And now God is using him to influence another man. How many of you want to be an influencer? I, I, I told the people in the first service, one of the first things I ever heard from Pastor Mike is he told me this. He said years and years ago, he prayed and said, God, help us influences, influence influencers. And that's what's happened in this church. It's grown and grown. And now many people that have come here because they've been influenced by the message of this kingdom. Now they are influencing other people. And it just keeps spreading out and moving out. Influence. Oh, here's another one I want to tell you about that really, really gets me. King Darius, when he took over, you remember what happened then. Poor old Daniel, bless his heart. His praying got him in a lot of trouble, didn't it? Yeah. Well, they made a proclamation that nobody ought to be praying to any other God. They caught poor old Daniel praying again. And so they, you know, the devil and everybody always has tattletales. And so anybody, they, they went and made the report. There's this Daniel and he's praying to another God. And, and so they grabbed him and threw him in the lion's den. But here's what really gets me. Evidently, Darius really didn't want this done because in chapter, let's see, chapter 6, this is when they're getting ready to throw Daniel in because the king couldn't go back on his word. 
In verse 16, he says, Darius says, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Now, isn't that amazing? The king is saying, your God's going to take care of you. That just gets me. And then we know the rest of that story. He spent the night there with the lions. Angel came, locked the lion's mouth. The next morning, here comes old Darius, wanting to hear something about Daniel. And he said, oh, Daniel, has this God that you serve, has, has he protected you? And he said, oh, king, live forever. God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, so they have not hurt me. Because <laughs> I was found innocent before him, and also, O oh, king, I have done no wrong before you. And the king was exceedingly glad for him. Influence. Influence. Because of a man who kept his integrity with God, walked humbly before God, and now my question is, is it possible for us to really please God? Can we really do that? Well, besides Daniel, I found another guy in the Bible that did. Name's Enoch. The Bible says this about Enoch. Enoch had this testimony, that he pleased God. Well, what was the secret of that? Well, here's what it was. Enoch walked with God and was not, for the Lord took him. Right? Enoch walked with God. That's the key to the whole thing here. You want to please God? Learn how to walk with Him. Learn how to spend some time with Him. Learn how to really enjoy his company, if you will. And if you haven't learned that in your life as a believer, you need to. If all we ever learn is, well, I'll go to church and, 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 and I'll pray through again. Oh, man, come on. When do we get off that cycle? When do we get off that cycle of praying through? You know, I've had people in my... <laughs> You know, they'll get down the altar and they'll pray a while. And the pastor will say, you want to testify? And they say, well, this is my sixth time of being saved. Huh? Huh? What's that mean? Tell me how you get born again six times. No. Somewhere along the line, they didn't walk with the Lord. They did some things they shouldn't. Made some bad choices. Lost their peace. Didn't lose the love of God. He still loved them. Yeah. But they just felt bad, felt guilty, felt ashamed, come back and pray. And that's all right. Do that. Do that. But oh, somewhere along the line, can we get off that merry-go-round? And just learn. Hey, man, when I was a young guy, and I was, I was a young evangelist. I was on that merry-go-round so much, I was dizzy-headed. <laughs> Wouldn't tell everybody because they thought I was holy. I was a young evangelist, held my first revival 60 years ago. Yeah, 60 years ago. Yeah, didn't know nothing. Dumber than dirt. Had a lot of energy. 
had a lot of energy and uh, preach everybody into hell. Preach against everything and everybody. That's all we knew. That's how I was raised. You know, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss. Man, man, whatever the rest of those teachings were we had, and we had a bunch of them. Don't go here, don't go there. And I wasn't breaking one of them, buddy. But I was so filled with pride and arrogance. And all I cared about was myself. Yeah. And by the way, I found out something. If not drinking, not smoking, not cussing, if that's holiness, a donkey can have it. <laughs> I, hey, Pastor Matt, I'm just filled with wisdom. It, it, just, it, just, it just drips off of me. All of these, that's it. But oh, I found out the real key to enjoying a walk or a Christian life is learning how to walk with the Lord. I had an experience coming out here. Uh, coming out, I, drove, I broke up the trip coming. And uh, Friday afternoon, I was on I-40, just minding my own business. And all of a sudden, had a blowout. Out in the middle of nowhere. And there's not a whole lot heading that way towards, towards Arkansas. I mean, when you're over there in Oklahoma. So I had just passed a little town called Avia or something like that. And uh, I found out why I have paid for roadside service with State Farm all these years. <laughs> I called them and they said, okay, we'll get somebody to you. And they tracked me on my own phone. I don't know how they do that, but they did. They said, yeah, we know right where you're at. And uh, so they, I sat there for about an hour or so waiting for somebody to come change my tire. And you say, well, Brother Boley, why didn't you change your tire? Because <clears throat> I've never changed one. <laughs> I never have. I don't even know where my spare's at on my car. I'm sorry. I just did. I've never had a flat. I've, I've just been blessed all the And here I am stranded. It's raining a little bit. Oh, goodness. Sun's going down. You say, were you happy? No. But can I tell you something? I wasn't mad. That's a big change for me over the years. Had my praise music going on Pandora. Listened to that for a while. Waited for the guy to come. He got me, put on my little spare tire. and I went down the road. It was getting dark and spent the night at a place called Warner. The small town. They have one motel. <laughs> so I went and found it. Asked the lady if they had a room. And she said, yeah, would you like to check it out? I said, yeah, I think I would. <laughs> and, uh, oh, come on. <laughs> you said, well, that's horrible. No, it's really not. It's not. And so uh, I went there and boy, it was clean as a pen. It was clean. I pulled back and made sure the sheets were clean. I mean, it was a great place. I said, I want that room. So I spent the night there, got some rest, uh, found out that the closest place to me was about 18 miles away, and I found a Walmart uh, deal on my navigator system. And, and so I got up early the next morning, headed towards Walmart, got there. They looked. They didn't have a tire to fix me. Didn't have a size. that size. They said there's one other place here in this town 
that might be able to help you. So I went down there and found him. He didn't hire, have a tire to fit, but he did have a used one that was the right size. And I said, you think that thing will get me to Duncan? And he said, yeah, I believe it will. And I said, put it on. So I bought a used tire, started praying, heading, <laughs> heading toward Duncan. Made it here fine. What I'm trying to tell you, frustration for me, that's because I, 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 I'm not used to that. And I'm not in those experiences. But you know what I found out? I can still walk with God. And I can still sing those praise songs. And I can still tell God how good He is and how good He's been to me. Amen? I want to walk with God. I want to please Him. And my desire for the rest of my life is to be someone that pleases God. I don't have to, I'm not asking for an angel to say, Thou art beloved. But uh, it'd probably scare me to death. But I want to tell you one thing. I want, my heart of hearts is, I want to please God. I want Him to be, be someone that when He sees me, that He recognizes me as His Son, and He knows who I am, and I spend time with Him. Let's stand together, shall we? You believe it? Say amen. amen. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. I just want to just say to you today, you're at the right place at the right time. If you feel like that your walk with the Lord has been a little suspect, and perhaps maybe you've made some bad decisions, maybe temptation has come, and maybe you've succumbed and some things that you know you shouldn't have done. First of all, let me tell you, God loves you. Yeah. He really does. And you don't have to get up here and beat and bang on these altars all night. It doesn't take God long to forgive. All you have to do is say, Father, forgive me. I failed you. I made a wrong decision. I did something I shouldn't have done. I want you to cleanse me. If you'd like to pray, I'd be glad for you to come. Love to pray with you. And I just want to challenge all of us here today. I don't care how young you are or how old you are. Put this in your head. Help me to live a life that pleases God. Help me to be a man of conviction, a person of integrity. Help me to be somebody that is humble before his God and before man. And help me to be an influencer. I want to influence somebody, don't you? I bless you all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hope you all can come back tonight. We'll be here at 6 o'clock. But it's always good to be here. Give the Lord a hand, praise. Amen, amen. Humility, integrity, character, something that we all can need more of, huh? I'm going to ask you to bow your hearts with me for a second, and I'm going to release the altar team to come down here, the prayer partners. We don't want to miss an opportunity to pray for you. And as they're slipping from their seats, I just encourage you, if you want to come down and get prayer, hey, it's something that we all could be a little bit stronger, a little bit better in. If you want to come down here and just stand in the middle, we certainly want to give you that opportunity. Let's bow together and pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your goodness. 
And we just pause a moment with our heads bowed and our hearts lifted up to you, giving people time to slip from their seats. They need help. They need prayer. We're certainly here for them. But Father, you know the word that's gone forth. You know the decisions that are being made in the seats and things that we're thinking of and concentrating on. Things that we want to get out of our life so we can become stronger and closer to you. And things that we have in our life that we desire to have even a stronger hold on our life for your kingdom. So Father, as we present all that to you this morning, we do it with a heart of humility. We want to do it with a heart that knows that we're greatly beloved by you. That we're never going to be loved any more or any less. So Father, we present those things to you. Be with your people today, God. Let your face shine upon them. We pray that we are the light that you've called us to be. We love you. We praise you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you can receive that, can you say amen? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.